This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Hope you're starting off the week right. A little confidence. We got this. We're going to bring a better more mental health centered uh, perspective to our week, right? We're going to keep everything within reason, kind of look at what we have to do. It might help you to kind of map it out to make sure uh, we can drop some of that anxiety and see what is doable and what's not doable. I've done that before. kind of mapped my week out. Uh, I have tons of jobs, right? I do radio, have a clinical practice, and also I'm the director of education for mental health training program where I also lecture and educate. Also do a live stream program and do podcasts and lots of other stuff. So Lots going on. And so every now and then I get overwhelmed and I have what I've defined as my work hours and everything has to fit in those work hours. And if not, then it doesn't get done or I have to uh, pass on additional work. You can't let it overflow into your personal time, your rest time, your relationship time, your hobby time, right? So just work on kind of carving that out and putting it all down on paper can help. Maybe get out a calendar, go day by day, maybe break down the day by hours. Uh, We do the best we can. We have to carve out time where we're doing no labor of any kind, not emotionally, uh, not physically, right? Where we're just focusing on self-care and fun and rest. And if you're in a relationship, you want to make sure you're spending time with your friends, your family members, and your um, romantic partner. So it's all got to kind of fit in there. So create work hours and all work has to get done in those work hours, then carve out rest time and nothing's allowed to intrude on that. And then build in some plans with friends and then maybe a little bit of uh, some date night kind of stuff and squeeze it all in there. But it's really good to see what we're over prioritizing. Work with a lot of individuals whose marriages or relationships romantically and and family-wise are in trouble. That's because they don't put enough time, effort, and prioritization into that, right? And you have to do that. Anything we don't put time and attention into is not going to feel like a priority and it's not going to feel as close and connected to anyone involved. So you want to make sure we do that. It's a really good exercise, putting it down on paper. I've done that for a multitude of things in my life just to really show myself where I'm lacking, where my strengths are, or again, what I'm over prioritizing, what's kind of being left out. So I always advocate for that. I'm doing that more and more with my clients. You have work hours and all work has to fit in work hours. You have personal time. I'm a big fan of reading and writing. That is personal reflective time. Is that part work? Yeah, because a lot of things I read and I'm interested in are related to my, my, my work, all my different jobs. But it's also time with myself and time for myself. And um, I, I, I defend that time staunchly. That is not flexible. That is not flimsy. It is not something that can be intruded upon. That is as important as anything else I might have committed to, right? And then I have time for my partner and nothing is allowed to invade on that. In fact, nothing comes before me and my partner. I've had to reorient that, right? Relationships have to be our center point. Whatever gets in the way of it has to be kind of pushed aside. All privileges acknowledged. We do, regardless of what our privileges are, what our socioeconomics are, are or whatever levels of power we have in certain areas of our lives, we need to do this. So you have to find ways to do that. We have to find ways to build it. And we've talked about that on the show before. We'll continue to talk about that. Um, but I'm seeing a lot of people too, too focused on grind culture and burning themselves out. You know, we talked about this on the show a few weeks ago. When you're starting to notice stressors, that's the, t- that's, the su- that's the time to set boundaries and back off so that we don't get into burnout. Remember, we're not trying to get into that burnout phase. We're trying to stay out of it. Um, So you have to call that out before it happens or build the kind of life that doesn't really allow for that to happen. Lots going on in the world, though. So we're holding space for all of that between what's going on in Afghanistan and the Delta variant variant, um, and just people battling over masks. And then there was an earthquake last week in Haiti. So much happening around us. So we're holding space for all of that, but also realizing that 
we have to pay attention to the ways that we're letting that in and we're internalizing that. So we're taking time away from that. We're setting boundaries. Um, my God, this year just won't give us a break. I keep seeing those funny memes where it's like my summer plans, how it's now going kind of thing. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. And I'm also holding space for the teachers and restaurant owners that are thinking, how do we deal with this? Where some state governors are literally saying you can't do a mask mandate, but then the local school district is. Uh, restaurant uh, workers, uh, service industry saying, how? How am I going to check vaccination records for these over-entitled, obnoxious people that come in, right? Uh, it's heartbreaking that I have to say, hey, don't attack the messenger. People working the front door of a bar, restaurant, or a gym, wherever you're going, that's their job. They are not in a position of power to weigh in or out on this regulation. Don't take it out on them. Take it out on those that won't get vaccinated, those that are eligible for vaccination but won't. That's the people that we have to be looking at um, and really putting pressure on them. But, you know, they're going to be left out as we pass mandates for access to anything indoors, which I'm a supporter of because I'm a public health professional. And uh, we do need to think about the way everything we do impacts others, right? That's mental health. That's also just called ethics. That's also just called compassion. So, you know, as always, I'm calling for more kindness and compassion because this Delta variant and COVID has really shown us how much that lacks. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about a topic that really came up from uh, a personal event that happened in my life. I don't want to catastrophize it. It wasn't anything major, but it really woke me up to the need to discuss topics like this. It's going to really have to do with safety. So stick around. You're going to, want to hear that. And then, of course, we'll be gliding into those DMs. So uh, got a DM for us? Drop it in our IG page. Files back, and you can check out past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Binge them, share them, post them. Scroll down, look for my little face, and click on it. There they all are. But if you got a DM or a topic you want covered, we're always here. We, you know, producer Alex is always checking them, you know, following up. So, all right, y'all stick around though. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, we are back. And uh, I want to tell you a little story that kind of sets the stage for this next topic. Uh, as someone who is male presenting, male identified, male, um, male, 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 <laughs> uh, I, I have the, the slightest, the smallest, the most minute understanding of what it's like to be a female in our culture and uh, what safety means, right? Because of sexual harassment and violence and sexism and misogyny. Um, small moments where I felt overly sexualized or objectified or uncomfortable around something like that. Small moments, because I'm still a white cis male <laughs> in our culture. So I'm going to always, even in those moments, still feel most prioritized, centered, safe, et cetera, et cetera, right? And uh, so here's the story. I don't, I, I remember the emotional parts of the story much more than where or when. This is only a few weeks ago because I'm not leaving the house that much because Delta variant. Um, I, I was walking and I guess it was later at night. Maybe I was running an errand on foot. And I remember there, the street was very quiet <clears throat> and there was a, a, a woman in front of me. And somehow I came to be walking behind her. 
And I guess I was walking close enough and at the speed enough where I realized that I was starting to make her feel unsafe. Now, is that because of me? Yes, I, I, I understandably triggered that because of the pace I was walking and the closeness and I guess the emptiness on the street. But also remember, we always have to ground everything in history and context. This isn't just something happening in a vacuum. This is happening within this poor woman's life where I don't know if she's been assaulted before or harassed. Most likely she has. I don't know a woman who hasn't. Also has friends that have and hear stories on the news. So understandably, this person was made uncomfortable. Here's the point of my whole topic and my story. I didn't know what to do to make her feel comfortable because I was not intending to make her uncomfortable. I fully take responsibility for whatever my presence anywhere creates. So I wanted to understand my intentions were good, but my impact was bad. My impact was harming her. And so I wanted to be a part of feeling that. I was like thinking to myself, what do you say or do in this moment that doesn't make it weirder or more uncomfortable? And I was trying to go with my natural inclination, which was like, pass her? as a way to show that I'm not following and that I'm safe. And so I kind of sped up, focused on what I was doing on my phone and just kind of pushed ahead. But it stayed with me. And I was thinking, I was like, I have to imagine other thoughtful, compassionate people have been in these moments, people that are male, because it's not gonna come up with a female following another female. Um, what do we do? And I want us to care and think about things like that and realize that's a powerful moment for us, but for this person more so. Well, lo and behold, I was scrolling through and an article came up, um, excuse me, and listen to this one. So a stat was saying that between 75 to 86% of women have received some sort of sexual harassment. I'm going to assume it's much higher actually, but that's still a painfully un unacceptable number that seven, excuse me, 75 to 85% of women have received some sort of sexual harassment. So is that the fault of the person doing the harassing? Sure. But it's the fault of the rest of us that don't create a culture where that's not okay. And it's on the, the shoulders of the rest of us for not holding people that we see doing that accountable. Because we do need to step in. We do need to get involved. It's not just, oh, well, I'll do it if my friends do it. But if I see someone doing that, I don't know. It's not my responsibility. Yeah, it is. If you see, if you're driving down the block and you see a house on fire, it's your responsibility to call 911. You know what I mean? If you see someone fall down, yeah, please go pick them up. You know what I mean? Like we have to be responsible for others. It's called a collective collective responsibility, community-based perspective. It's called compassion, right? So I want us to care about this. And what we've learned through racism and homophobia and sexism is the more overt expressions of it, we're getting way better culturally. It's shutting them down, calling them out, uh, organizations and record labels and companies not wanting associations with people that are doing that. So cancel culture, whether you'd agree with it or not, has quieted some of that down. But the more insidious parts that are more pervasive are the quieter expressions of it that maybe are too familiar or normalized for people to really call it out or to think it matters, but, but it does. And so that's when we say like, oh, there's little jokes between friends, that locker room humor as they call it, which I've been in a lot of locker rooms and I don't see that happening. So let's not say it's locker room culture, let's say it's sexist, it's homophobic, it's toxic. And um, that's where it also matters. So we have to be always calling it out when it doesn't really matter who's doing it, we need to always speak up, seriously, whoever, wherever, whenever injustice, you know, doesn't get a pass because it's your, your mom or your, or your stepdad or your boss even, or your, I don't even know your, your best friend, whatever the, you're on a first date. I've told stories of being on first date and being like, Hey, I'm going to stop you. You are really comfortable saying some problematic things. And I don't feel comfortable with that kind of language. I even remember telling you guys a story of someone really taking issue with gendered pronouns and someone else thought racist jokes were okay. And I was like, I'm so uncomfortable I was like, I have to leave the date. We are not compatible ethically, politically, in terms of compassion. Like, I'm out. I'm not, I'm not educating today. I spend the rest of my life educating, not on a date. Uh, but we have to hold people accountable. So please always speak up when you hear something sexist, fatphobic, racist, homophobic, transphobic, ageist. You know? Like, hey, that, just call the word. Hey, that was ageist. Or, hey, that was homophobic. I'm not comfortable. Could you maybe talk differently about that? And if they don't, then you say, unfortunately, then the conversation has to stop because I can't participate or support that. You know, I can't be complicit. We have to get loud. Uh, when we come back, though, I'm going to get back to what do we do if we realize we are on the street making someone uncomfortable? It's kind of me talking to the men that are listening because um, it's on our shoulders. Men are the ones that create, you know, sexism and misogyny. So it's on us to dismantle it, right? Okay, stick around though. It's good stuff. You're listening to Loveline. Oh, actually, wait, before we go, I want everyone to know though that this this always rolls out and applies to topics bigger than the entry point. 
I, I want people to always know that, that sometimes I'll talk about marriage, but know that that applies to our relationship to anyone because all the things we're talking about are universal. So even though we're talking about male and female violence, this applies to a multitude of other topics. So I want everyone to feel connected to this. Um, I know that I know that sometimes people might think like, oh, if you're single, then a relational topic doesn't matter or vice versa. So, um, but like I said, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to finish that up and then glide into those DMs, courtesy of Astroglide. Thank you. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, topics, questions, whatever you're concerned about, we're here for you, y'all. You can even send a little love and support. We'd love to hear that, how we're helping you. Uh, but stick around. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And before the break, I was yapping and yapping and telling the story that really led me to this important topic where I was following a woman down. Well, no, I'm sorry. I was not following a woman. By default, I was. I was behind her. She was walking ahead of me. And uh, I could tell I was making her uncomfortable. The streets were quiet. It was dark. I was, you know, wearing a hat down low. I mean, it was the whole scene was there. I understand why she was uncomfortable. And again, with 75 to 85% of women saying, oh, we've all been harassed. And I remember thinking, like, what do I do? And my natural instincts were like, just stay detached and pass her to remove yourself from that environment to make her feel more safe. Because I don't want someone feeling unsafe because of my presence. But I was like, should I say something? Should I be like, hey, not following you? Like, I didn't know what to do. I also didn't want to be all awkward. And then I found a couple pieces of uh, research that were talking about, hey, how do we manage this? So I thought this was really great. Okay. So what do we do when these things happen? I think that, again, this is applicable to a lot of other environments under a lot of other topics. Um, number one, don't stare, right? If you're by yourself, being stared at can be intimidating and unsettling. And I've seen that happen. I was sitting at a coffee shop a couple months ago, outside, mass on, distanced, and I saw a guy staring, a, a guy by himself at, at a table, staring at a girl by herself at her table, and he kept staring over and she was showing very clear signs of discomfort, lack of interest, breaking contact, looking down, shifting around. He just wouldn't pick up on that. Like we are no longer pursuing people. If you initiate or make a cue for someone's attention or ask them out and they show a lack of interest or say no, move on. You don't try harder. You don't court harder. You let it go. He would not. So that's part of it. Stop staring. If you make eye contact with someone out of interest or even not out of interest, you just generally make eye contact and they reflect back lack of comfort. Stop staring. You know what I mean? And that's what I naturally thought to do. I was like, I was watching her look over her shoulder at me. And I was like, if you keep looking back at her, that's a sign of aggression, right? So I was like, look at your phone, show disconnection, right? So look at something else. Don't make people uncomfortable. Look out the window, look at your phone. Also keep your comments to yourself. I feel this way in general when we talk about mental health. Um, be very thoughtful what you say to someone because they might not feel empowered enough to really say what they need to say or to set a boundary with you, right? Um, you might think it's fun. You might think it's flattering, but yeah, I want people to still feel uh, connected enough to maybe give a compliment or two, but you have to read people's body language. But in general, keep your thoughts to yourself. Not everyone needs to know every thought you have. This also comes up on social media. If you like a post, weigh in on. If you don't, keep scrolling. You don't have to share every single thought you're thinking. You know what I mean? And especially if we're talking about people's bodies, don't comment on people's bodies. You don't know if they're trying to lose weight or gain weight. You don't know why. Stop stop acknowledging, stop weighing in on, let that go. That has nothing to do with anything. That's not an achievement. It's just a part of people's lives. Let go of that piece. Here's where it gets better though. What do we do if we think we're making someone uncomfortable? Keep your distance. I'm going to use a quote from this. When walking behind a girl or a woman at night, remember that the closer you are, the more threatening you seem. So make sure to leave a good amount of distance between yourself and her. I felt that. I was walking at my natural pace. I was too close. I can understand where she felt uncomfortable. I then just passed her instead of backing off. That still felt threatening to be behind her where she couldn't see me. So I quietly and quickly passed her on the side, but far away from her. Why? Because I care. Why? Because I have empathy. Why? Because I have compassion. Why? Because I wouldn't want someone to continue behavior that, that made me uncomfortable if they saw that. Like, this isn't nitpicking. This isn't being too sensitive. This isn't participating in PC culture, which I'm actually okay with. This is care. Care about making someone uncomfortable. So this topic is throwing you off. Look at why that is. Why does compassion make you uncomfortable and frustrated? Because all the things I'm talking about take no time or energy. You were walking anyway. You're, you're just backing off or passing them. You know what I mean? These are important things. Keep your distance. This is this is what it looks like right now as we change the tide. We've we've created an environment where people feel unsafe. So this is un, this is the necessary work of undoing that. Also, don't run from behind. Thought that was interesting. Why? Because having someone run up from behind, especially at night, 
I can scare you. <laughs> Cross the street. I'm okay with doing that to make someone feel safe. Keep your friends in line. If you see your friends doing things, catcalling, harassing, tell them to stop. Also, here's my other favorite final one we're going to go out on. Be an active bystander. If you notice someone's uncomfortable with someone else's behavior, show your support. It could be as simple as standing between them, telling them to stop, asking them if they're okay, letting them know someone else is noticing, letting them know they're not in it alone. We have to be willing to do that. We have to get involved when we see violence or an injustice happening. Seriously. We have to learn when to mind our own business, when it's something small, but when it's an injustice, right? We've talked about this on a prior show. I should use this one again. When you're frustrated or disappointed, let it go and roll with it. But if you see an actual injustice happening, you got to speak up. You got to be a part of shutting that down. Small things, but we need to care more about how we impact others is really the basic point. And we want everyone to feel safe in the world. And we have to do that for people that are gay, people that are trans, people that are fat, larger bodied, people that are of color, right? Women. We still have a lot of work to do, right? We're still getting over what happened with the Trump administration and just culture prior to that. So I'll, I'll keep you all on your toes, though, because this stuff is important. This is part of mental health, really 100% tied in. You know, your willingness or lack of willingness to do what we're talking about is part of your mental health, you know, so know that. And you'd want that. You'd, and again, I hate that this even has to be said, but when you want someone to do that for someone you cared about, your daughter, your mother, and it shouldn't even have to be someone you know to bring in the empathy, but some of us need it like that. So there it is. All right, coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DNs. So stick around. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back. And guess what? It is time to glide into those DMs. Brought to you by Astroglide lotions and lubes for everybody. Gliding into the DMs. All right, here we go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris and Loveline. So <laughs> we're jumping right in. I went out on a first date a week ago. That's fun. Good stuff. Everything was going well. We were talking, having good conversations. But then, bum, 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 one of the waiters came up and said hi to my date, looked at me, and started laughing. That's horrible. Who is this horrible, horrible human being? My date put his head down, told the waiter that they would talk later, all right in front of me. Oh, God. I asked what that was about. He said it was nothing. They've been friends for years. I felt so embarrassed. And he keeps trying to talk to me, but I just don't like the way he made me feel. My friends told me to get over it because he's a nice guy, but that didn't sit right with me. Am I being too paranoid, especially because it was our first date? Um, no, I mean, that's a horrible thing to have happen. I can't imagine being in any environment with anyone, even on a 57th date, and have someone look at me, laugh, and then whoever I'm with <laughs> put their head down and say, we'll talk about it later. Talk about what? my presence, what they found funny about me. I mean, first off, I guess I'm concerned because this person has very rude friends. I'm concerned that this person didn't apologize for their rude friend. I'm, I'm disappointed that this per person didn't stand up for you, know, you in front of this rude person. I'm concerned that this person didn't empathize with how distressing that must be and didn't try to clear it up or clarify. Like, where's the lack, where's the empathy and compassion? I don't care if it's one text message in or a third date. We show how healthy we are every step of the way. And red flags need to be assessed from the minute you connect with this person. And again, hear this, hear this on both sides. How you treat someone from the door matters. You don't get off the hook because we didn't go on a date yet or I didn't know them well. No, you're showing crappy behavior. It's never okay to treat people better or worse based on how well we know them. That's a horrible thing to do. So you need to go back to this person because again, the core of a healthy relationship is vulnerability and transparency and say to them, I'm not comfortable with what happened and I need to understand what that was about for me to feel safe continuing to see you because I'm also concerned with your lack of empathy and, and, and really realizing how that must have felt and that you haven't attempted to try to clarify or clean that up with me. And if they brush it off or downplay it, you might actually wanna go because now we're moving from a red flag to a deal breaker. Red flags are things that we need more information about, we spend more time with, we ask questions. Deal breakers are often 
part of how someone responds or treats a red flag. And if they brush it off, well, this person has no empathy, has no compassion, doesn't value vulnerability and intimacy, and really has poor communication skills. And that is a deal breaker. So I want you to bring this up as a way to understand how healthy this other person is. So it doesn't matter if it was a first date or not. This is crap behavior from all parties involved. And you're also maybe learning that this person has really horrible friends. So you should be concerned, but more importantly, use it as a learning moment. Very calmly and neutrally bring it up and, it's not, and, and track how they manage it. It's not always what they say. It's also how they say it in their process. It's content and form. And we're always assessing someone. So again, this is a red flag. Red flags we don't ignore. We actually, when we see red flag, get more information, ask questions, bring it up, and then it becomes a deal breaker based on how they manage it or don't manage it. But this is horrible. So to everyone listening, treat people better. Like people will write things off being like, oh, it was a hookup, it was a trick, it was a first date or calm down, it's only online. You are talking about your interactions with other human beings. And every time we interface with people, we shouldn't be leaving them worse off and being cruel and harming them. That actually speaks to you and your lack of ethics and your lack of character. Be better. Dating is hard. Life can be hard. And you're making it harder, more complex. So please bring it up. Because again, if you can't bring it up, then you're telling me even more. You're telling me this person isn't safe to be approached about vulnerable things. Well, dear God in heaven, relationships are full of those. And you want to start practicing and assessing, is this person open to things like that? Because if not, again, we're moving into a deal breaker. They're emotionally unavailable. They lack compassion. They lack empathy. They don't have good repair skills, right? They have poor communication skills. So there's a lot in this. So please bring it up so you can learn more about them and the quality of this person in this relationship. So... Thanks for that question. If you got a question for us or a topic you want covered, hit us up on our Loveland IG page. That's where all the DMs come from. Um, coming up next, though, we're going to be talking, shocker, about relational health. Oh, I know. DMs are brought to you by Astroglide. Check it out. Lubes and lotions for everybody. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. All right, y'all, we are back. Going to do some relational talk, ways to measure the health of your relationship. Yo, let me tell you something. I stumble upon my most uh, fascinating material, especially when it triggers something in me. I was standing in line for coffee. Um, well, not, not in the traditional sense. You know, I ordered it on my app. I was masked waiting for it to be prepared. So I guess not standing in line. I'm congregating spaced out outdoors waiting for my coffee anyway saw this test based on a lot of research and we're just going to get into the specifics and the takeaways but it was looking at some key markers that speak to long-term happiness and we talk a lot about this because we're all in different kinds of relationships and this replies this this is also non-romantic because remember it's all very similar stuff it's all about attachment security responsiveness availability so i thought that this was really interesting so these are the concepts that are most important when assessing uh, relationship health, okay? So we're gonna go down some of these. There's 10 points, and then I'll break down the dimensions out of that. But it's really about looking at where are you, because each of these points has a um, spectrum, a pole, right? Two different points, and it's where are you on this? So let me just get to it so it'll make more sense. So one of the first important factors to always assess is distance versus closeness in reference to your relationship. You and your romantic partner, you and a friend you care about, you and a family member, whatever it is. How close are you versus how distant? And that's part of an assessor. So what this research was looking at is, oh, you're not feeling good in your relationship? And that was the first piece they said to examine. How close or distant are you? Of course, implying that the closer you are, the better, because that involves intimacy, right, and safety. But I thought that that was first an interesting thing just for us to generally assess. For whoever is important to us most, how distant or close are you? And what does that tell you about where the work is? Do you need more space? Do you need to get closer? Um, I thought this next one was important too, because I'm a big fan of letting people know where we're at in terms of relationships, sitting down friends, and I do this all the time. So when people say, who does that? I say, healthy people like myself. Uh, I'll sit down with friends and be like, hey, can we talk? Something was said last week that kind of bummed me out that you said and it's still been on my mind. Can we process it? I'm the person that does that. I don't let resentments build. Same thing in my, in my uh, primary relationship. Always talking through and talking things out. But here's the topic. How close, where are you on this continuum of giving up versus being completely committed? Let that question sit with you for a second. How committed are you is, it's, is what it's saying. Because commitment is a daily act. 
Commitment is, an, is, a, is a choice. It's an action we take sometimes many times a day where multiple things we're doing are a sign of commitment or they're a sign of us moving away from commitment. Really examine that. And if you realize I'm not that close to being fully committed, talk to whoever this is, your friendship that's fallen apart, your romantic relationship. We need to let people know where we're at so that they can be part of fixing it. It is not fair to never share this and to, then to out of the blue disappear or say I have to go. We have to let people know where we're at. It's, it's kindness so that they can weigh in on the problem and try to create a solution or be a part of the solution. But I love that idea, like how committed are you? It's a daily act. It's a daily act towards or daily act of movement away from. How suspicious are you versus trust versus trusting? Suspicion versus trust. Sit with that one for a second. Do you, does trust need to be worked on? Do you live in a state of suspicion? Here's the million dollar question. Is that lack of trust your work or as a result of your partner's behavior or your friend's behavior or your family member's behavior? These are important elements to assess. Again, we're looking at distance versus closeness, giving up versus being committed and suspicion versus trust. We always have to know who, who the work is that falls upon. Is it something we need to do? We need to examine our trust issues or again, is it falling on the other person? Here's another one. How emotionally safe do we feel? I'm hoping this is unearthing and people are making some connections going, wow, that's what's been off. Trust or that's what's been off. I'm not acting committed. I'm constantly doing things that show a lack of commitment. I'm constantly acting out, having one foot out of that relationship, whatever it is. Another one, are we thinking in terms of I and self-interest or are we thinking in terms of mutual benefit and as a team? Because relationships require you to look at and consider how does this impact us, especially if it's a primary relationship. But some people are too self-focused, too self-interested. And that actually goes back to the other one. That means you're not living in full commitment. Full commitment means you're always thinking in terms of how does this impact our relationship and thinking in terms of mutual benefit. If you're always thinking about yourself and what you need and looking out for yourself, then again, like I said, it goes back to the committed thing. You're not that committed. Commitment and thinking in terms of we and us and mutual benefit are, are, are pretty much the same thing. Not being committed is shown when you're always thinking and looking out for yourself only. That's the opposite. Our culture is too individualistic. We're obsessed with it to a toxic level. Again, I've said this to a blue in the face. We worry too much about ourselves or our household only or our neighborhood only or our city only or our state only or our country only. All arbitrary lines that we use to defend why we don't care about others. Not reasonable at all. You know what I mean? Think about that. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at the rest of these points because, again, I think these apply to literally everything, especially when we're talking about time of COVID. Do you care about maybe passing along to someone else even if you're vaccinated? You won't wear a mask? Are, 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 you know what I mean? Like, Are you aware of other world events, the earthquake last week in Haiti and everything that's going on in Afghanistan? Like, Where are we in reference to self versus other? Stick around. We're going to keep talking about it and breaking it down from a mental health perspective. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back and uh, basically breaking down these factors that speak to relational health and how it kind of applies to like everything. And that's why I love psychology because it's far bigger than just what's going on in your brain. And what's going on in your brain impacts the brains of those around you. What's going on in the brains around you impacts you, right? We're all tied. We, we have these false lines of separation, like human versus nature. No, all interconnected. Me versus you, connected. <laughs> You know what I mean? Different con continents or countries. Nope, still connected, especially because of uh, technology and capitalism. Like we're all, all, all connected. So we're looking at levels of commitment, closeness, trust, safety. Do you think about self versus other? Um, here's another interesting one. On the scale of always critical to acceptance, where are you with the important people in your life? Because that's what healthy relationships are about, acceptance. I know we have a lot of work to do and a relationship's quite toxic when an individual or a couple comes in, right? And everything's a critique or a criticism. No one is, is understanding that in a relationship, it's literally about accepting who your partner is. Yes, I want us, as I said earlier, many other times to sit down and let people know how we feel while being in relationship to them and with them and reflect that back. But we do it still within the means of acceptance. I accept who you are. And as we enter relationships, it's about that. I know who you are. 
I want to learn more about who you are and accept that. I can within that reflect back who I am and what I need, but I can't demand or expect you to change, right? And a lot of issues are about them not accepting who their partner is, things that won't change, maybe their politics, their personality. And you have to decide if you can stay and accept that or if you have to go because you can't. But we can't ask other people to change so as to avoid doing the work we have to do, right? We can't ask other people to change so that we don't have to feel uncomfortable and do the work of acceptance. I watch so many people saying they don't like who someone's friends are, they don't like their career choice, they don't like how they dress. You don't need to, actually. <laughs> You have to learn how to love those parts of them and accept them. That is part of who they are. You can't just love parts of someone, right? So think about that. Are you, do you live in acceptance or do you tend to live in a lot of critique? I see parents do that too. Somehow parents think that children's jobs are to live a life that makes the parent comfortable or happy. No, a child's job is to live the life that they're meant to live. And it's your job to support them and care for them and accept them. And if you can't do that, you're not a good parent or please don't be a parent. I'm not saying it's easy. I know the struggle's real, but you have to at least, you have to at least have the right perspective. Same thing with dating. Don't enter someone's life trying to change them especially not around what's comfortable for you so you don't have to do the internal work of accepting who they are or learning to trust or learning to let go. That's toxic forms of monogamy and ownership. No one owns anyone. But we use words like my girlfriend. No, not your girlfriend. You don't own her. It's someone you're in a relationship with, which means you're responsible for assessing how you impact them. Have you made their life better by being brought in? Do you pay attention to how your behavior and feelings shape and impact their life? No, you need to. We talked about that. Is it more self-thinking or thinking in a mutual benefit? You have to be thinking about mutual benefit. That's called being committed. Otherwise, you're not very committed, right? Moving forward, here's the other continuum. Looking at always fighting versus getting along perfectly. No one's gonna get along perfectly. You don't have to. Healthy, happy relationships aren't don't have an absence of conflict. It's just that they have a deep friendship and they like each other. And so the sharp edges are shaved off. They still have conflict and fight, but they do it lovingly and fairly. And they actually understand that conflict is about better understanding who your partner is. Why do they feel that way? What is in it for them? What are their core needs? How might that be tied to some family of origin stuff? That's what we should be doing in conflict. Not trying to win, not trying to be right, not trying to convince someone, right? But learning how to allow that difference and that ambiguity, learning how to allow flexibility, not trying to change the person. Acceptance. See how this all ties in and that's also how we show commitment. Early we're talking about the difference between being one foot out versus fully committed. That's commitment. Accepting, that's commitment. Complimenting, not criticizing, right? It's all tied together. Final one. Extremely happy versus unhappy. I mean, that's real. Because again, when someone says to me, how do I know when I'm ready to date? I'll say when you're generally content. If you are generally not happy or content in your life, not only will you try to maybe make the other person responsible for that, most likely that is what you're actually doing, and you're not gonna really give much benefit to their life. You know what I mean? So work on some of that. Things are gonna happen, but you wanna have a general level of contentment, right? We impact others. We don't wanna bring in a lot of struggle and strife into someone's life. Life is hard enough as it is. So the basic dimensions, just to break them down clearly, are emotional intimacy, commitment, trust, safety, acceptance, conflict, overall happiness. And the commitment one I wanna go back to because I think a lot of people don't understand commitment. We look at often commitment as structural things. I put a ring on your finger, you're my girlfriend, we're monogamous, we're married, we live together, we have kids. Those are all structural. None of those promise or actually tell me how in love, committed, or safe a relationship is. None of those things. Because a lot of people that aren't in a loving relationship, that isn't safe, that doesn't have a lot of trust or commitment, can also still be married and have kids and own a house and a ring and be monogamous or someone's boyfriend or girlfriend. They, are, they, they can be completely exclusive. And so what really matters, again, is not those structural pieces. That, don't you know that I'm committed? I married you. No, that doesn't promise commitment, actually. Yes, you walk down the aisle and signed paper. But what really matters is actual relational security, actual experiential feeling and experiencing moments of you're there for me. Because the qualities that really matter are responsiveness, consistency, availability, attunement. That is what matters not all the other structural things, but we try to add more structural things when we feel completely anxious or feel for or don't trust. That's why people are like, you know, dying for marriage or can't wait till we have that kid. All these structural things that we think will make us feel trust and commitment and love, but they don't promise that or bring that. 
We have to focus on the experience itself of being with that person and in that relationship. That's what matters. Really hear that. It's about the friendship of the couple at the core that matters the most and shaves down the sharp edges of the natural levels of frustration and conflict that come with being in a relationship with anyone, right? All right, we're gonna take a little break. So stick around. Past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. We'll be back listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, we're back. And I did a little bit of an about face. I was going to kind of move us in a different direction. But during the break, I thought, let me just list a few key takeaways that are really concrete and behavioral that are part of helping build that relationship that isn't relying upon these structural things like labels and marriage and and rings and, and titles and homeownership and kids, because those don't create the experiential relational security that we actually need to trust or to feel comfortable. So what does? Now, hear me. These are things that we can prioritize and try to build in or get back to to help. These are also things we can make sure we bring in from the beginning. These are things to remember to do down the road when you get in a relationship. It's never too late to start these things. These are some really quick, easy things to do to start to get back towards that piece. Okay? Number one, say I love you every day, but you have to mean it. We have to get more familiar saying I love you. I say love you to all the people that I care about when I got off the phone with them. I say it to my partner, I say it to my mom, I say it to my brother, and I say it to my close friends. I say I love you because I do and I want them to know that and I wanna get more comfortable saying it and I want them to get more comfortable with us having that kind of intimate connected relationship. If it scares you to say that, ask yourself why. Is that your work or is that the relationships you're in? And daily, but you have to mean it. The other thing is compliment. We are so good at calling out and catching all the things that irritate us and frustrate us. We have to get equally as good at seeing all the things, but sharing and expressing them that we value and feel good about. I do it all the time. Do it. It's, it gets very comfortable. I'll say to a friend, hey, I wanted to let you know it meant a lot when you texted me the other day because you knew I had a hard day, right? I'll say to my partner, it really made me feel good that you blah, 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 blah. I'm t- constantly trying to compliment, let people know when I see something of meaning or value or that they accomplished even. It's important. We want to build in the good. We need more good than bad. 20 to one, five to one are the two different ratios that you'll hear. In a given day, you need 20 positive experiences to cope with one bad one. Oh yeah. We need five positives for every one negative. Build that in. Usually it's lopsided. Some people never compliment or never get them. Learn to give them. Catch people in the act of doing something meaningful or good. Also, romantic trips. I know, busy lives, doesn't matter. Build in romantic trips where you get away. But that's also part of weekly date nights. Yes, plan it. It'll still be good. We plan a lot of things and still good. We need a weekly date night. If your schedule can't allow for that, then you have your priorities wrong and your relationship will continue to suffer. Your relationship has to be a priority. My God, if you can't even build in a date night a week, and date night doesn't have to be leaving the house or spending money, but it's quality time, shared experience, just the couple, no interruptions, focusing on themselves, not talking about family, not talking about work. Oh, I know. What else? Public affection and affection, touch is what attaches and heals as much touch as possible. But public affection has other powerful layers. Get comfortable kissing your partner while in public, holding their hand, rubbing their back, especially at home. Start there, but also out of the house. I want us to also normalize the love and affection out in the world, especially if you're a gay couple or a trans couple or a larger bodied couple or a black couple or a person of color. We have to, we have to tell people that white cis hetero is not the only kind of beautiful, loving relationships that exist, right? We got to celebrate queer love, gay love, black love, trans love. Yes. Also cuddling. That's full body touch. We need as much touch as possible. You don't feel close to your partner. Touch. Build it in. Get familiar with it. Also, ready for this one? Kissing passionately, especially for no reason. I know. If you don't want to passionately kiss your partner, ask yourself why. Sit down and talk about it. Hey, I realize it's something I'm not comfortable with. Here's why. Process it. Share there's something meaningful in that. Why are you not open to doing that? Why is your relationship not a safe place to do that? Look into that. And then finally, another one that I think is really important is transitional moments. When we're waking, falling asleep, leaving or entering. It's this separation and reunion, literal and symbolic, that needs transitions. 
Kiss and make eye contact with your partner upon entering or leaving their psychological space. Waking up, going to bed, leaving the house and coming home. Don't just come home, coming in hot. Don't say hello while looking at your phone or computer, right? Full on eye contact, full presence, touch them, make connection in those transition moments. Transition in, transition out. When you're entering, when you're leaving, with the kids, with family members, with friends. Don't just appear. You know, also figure out what you need to transition from your traditional life into maybe home life. Some people don't realize that we need those pieces. But again, it's about gratitude. It's about kindness. It's about complimenting. Like I said, it's about really building up that core where you and your partner just have a deep style of friendship or fondness for each other. And if all of this seems impossible, time for some couples therapy, 100%, because your relationship is doomed. When people aren't really having sex anymore, it's not a great sign. But when couples tell me they no longer even touch, oh God, I panic for them. You know, we're, we're really far along. So if that's you, get into some couples therapy or start that work. At any point, you can do this work and bring it back. It's great about humans and psychology. What's good and bad is that it's got a flexibility to it. It's always developing. It's always learning. You know, we got to bring in the positive, normalize more of that, right? What are you normalizing in your friendships and your relationships? Positive, compliments, acceptance, love, or the opposite? Criticism, negativity, distance, violence. Check in on it. All right, y'all, coming up next, we're going to glide into those DMs. So stick around. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. All right, we are back. Now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide. Lotions and lubes for everybody. Lube it up, y'all. Lube it up. Gliding into the DMs. Um, DMs always come from our Loveline AG page. If you've got a question for us or a topic, drop it on in there. Anything you want covered, we'll do our best. I don't always have an answer, and if not, I'll tell you so. You know what I mean? Um, all right, this one says, hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Elsa, and my partner, B, you guys have awesome names, Elsa and B. That's a, that's like a book somehow or a movie. It's adorable. Uh, and we've been together for three years. It's a good amount of time. Recently, we've both been feeling pretty suffocated. So we want to get up and move to a different city. I like it. Different cities afford different kinds of environments and experiences and access to different things. So yeah, it can change different parts of ourselves, bring different parts of ourselves out, different parts of our relationship. It's really healthy and exciting to experience new things together. It's great. Love it. We chose Austin, Texas. God bless it. Austin is an amazing city. My brother lives there. Love visiting, but uh, it is very expensive. It's actually, I think, one of the number one hotspots. Everyone's moving to Austin. So that's going to be a tough one. Also gets very hot there. Anyway, I digress. You said, uh, however, with Texas's new laws, I just know it will be a lot harder than it seems. You talking about COVID? What are we talking about? It's deeply Republican, so good luck with that one. B is so excited to go, but I'm really starting to get cold feet. I feel like they're I feel like they just might leave me here. Oh, you think you might get left by B because B really wants to go to Austin and you don't? It's not even a money thing. It's a legitimate safety concern over being in the LGBTQIA community and living in Texas. Yo, I get it. I th- that matters. That's a real thing. That's a that's a that's a quality of life issue, mental health issue, relational health. Can I convince them to stay, or should I just let them go? Oh, I don't know. If after three years, uh, they're willing to uh, choose a city that we haven't that they haven't been to yet, the fantasy they have of what that city will be like and what it'll give them. If they're willing to put that before the relationship, you got to decide what you want to do about that. What you think about that? That's not a good sign. A place over a person, especially a place they don't know. I think what you really do is you need to sit down and talk about what are other places you want to live and really express your thoughts. But if they say, I want to go anyway, well, then you don't really have a choice. You go because the relationship means a lot to you or you pass and say, I'm not going. It's not good for me. Great to know you. I don't know. But I think the better version is, hey, uh, there's a lot of other amazing places we can move to. So number one, express your concern. Number two, express your concerns with that city and talk about other places and what maybe they have to afford 
in terms of quality of life and support of being LGBTQIA. There's a lot of amazing places. So I want you to learn why Austin is so important to this person because right now it's really the fantasy. So we don't actually even know. And I mean that on both ends. Maybe it'll go better than you think it will because you'll build community. Maybe it'll go worse. B doesn't necessarily know what life's going to be like. I don't know, you know, but it's really hard to hear. I imagine that maybe they're going to choose a city over you, a city they don't even know well and haven't really been to often. Um, but there's got to be other places that can maybe meet both your needs, but talk it out. But you might not be given an opportunity to decide if they decide to go anyway. So more to be revealed. Um, it doesn't have to be a deal breaker, but um, you're going to learn about how committed you both are based on how this is managed. So know that this, this is a bigger, deeper process we're stepping into. Um, but some things become deal breakers like that, where one person's like, I don't want to live in this city, and the other person does. Well, then that maybe means your relationship did go as far as it can, which I think is heartbreaking. Because often, like I said, we have a fantasy about what we think this new job or this new city or whatever it is will, will afford us or bring into our lives, and we don't know that. And I always think that people should come first, our relationships, but maybe you'll learn that these three years haven't been as committed and serious as you thought it was. But I have to, my final answer is I have to believe there's other great cities that you can live in. Good luck finding housing in Austin. It's very difficult, job market as well. That's where everyone's going. So you might not actually get there. I, I couldn't understand your question if you were already there, wanting to go there. That was a little confusing to me, but. All right, y'all, that is our show. If you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Focus on trying to build into the rest of your day some more self-care, some rest, sleep doesn't count, and uh, some joy and pleasure. What can you do today that just gives a little joy and pleasure in your life, just a little punctuation in that day? You know what I mean? Because um, that's what life's supposed to be about. We'll be back tomorrow. We're gonna talk about stress. Oh yes, the stress of all that's going on. It's been a stressful time and ways to better cope with that. Tips and tricks. Hitting those DMs and uh, past episodes of Loveline. If you want to check it out, it's over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for the show, click on it. Bam, there they are. You can post, bin, share, re-listen. As always, y'all, thanks for hanging out, and you enjoy the rest of your night. Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Odyssey is giving you a chance to win a trip to London to see Taylor Swift at the Eras Tour. It's Tay in the UK. Hey, it's Taylor. Just download the free Odyssey app, log in and listen to a participating station for a minimum of 60 minutes to get your daily entry. And you could win a chance to fly off to London with three friends and see Taylor. I can't wait to see you at the Eras Tour in London. For more, go to odyssey.com slash Taylor. Tay in the UK. It's on the Odyssey app. Thanks to Republic Records. This is a national contest. (laughs) 